Hello, my name is Lizzie Palmer and this is another episode of Lunar Poetry Shorts. Uh, today I'm joined by the lovely poet Hannah Gordon uh, in a secret location, which I cannot disguise. <laughs> um, so I think if it's alright with you, Hannah, by way of introduction, we'll start with your first poem. Okay, and uh, this is uh, the first spoken word poem oh. I ever wrote. It's called So Drunk. You can't escape your history. It tightens from within. It drags you from the present and it makes you face yourself again. The connection to familiar faces warms the cold winds of the past through crowded places and disgraces. You can love yourself at last. I got so drunk last week that I couldn't even rap. Like a ghetto rude boy forgetting his brap or a teacher getting told off for inciting gun crime. It's not effortless, it's complicated. Trying to keep up with these changing times in which I grow a cathartic need to rhyme. I do it in poems and it feels trite out loud, but it's soulful and splendid. When I write, I feel proud. I make links and forge insights that enable confidence and clarity. It's narcissistic hilarity, but it reforms all the disparity in my genuine life that I write without hype. Snap and it's decided. I've got you figured out absolutely. Clichés attack my human faith and pierce my judgment resolutely. New replaces old in life and enhances past interpretation, tainting the future with the present, making history my vocation. When I get confused, the keyboard's my muse and I'm still confused about you. It's like Oscar Wilde said when I cried that day, I read myself as your ornament for Dorian Gray's summer's day. Because I've been disregarded and discarded, unforgiven and departed, I've played some fucked up games and I have lived through regret and shame. Backstabbing and lies, bare jokes and dry eyes, fuckeries and gluttony, I try to learn from it all, sympathy and victory, failure and success, and probably me rapping isn't me at my best, but I digress. Essentially, I'm an entity, bound in my own mortality, a palindrome that feels at home with the open eyes of visionaries, people empowered by the power of their own vulnerabilities, still daring to dream big dreams, fearlessly. Wonderful, thanks very much. Hi Hannah, how are you? Yeah, good. good. Really good. Nice to have you. Uh, so, my first question is, why poetry? Um, I guess for me, poetry is something I really got into, definitely the performance of it, because I can't sing. It's <laughs> a way to sort of um, share my words, but I've, I've been writing poetry since I was a really young child, like I've got evidence of eight-year-old poems, which are terrible. Um, but I guess I got into poetry kind of through prayer I know that sounds quite like an odd thing to say but um I guess that's where I really started to enjoy words as a form of expression um, and I used to I got quite obsessed with like grief poetry when I was younger because my mum used to well it's like a tradition in Ireland when someone dies you get a little card with their picture on it and like there's often a poem on the back of it so those are the first poems that I really got engaged with mm. um and yeah so I, I think poetry is also like a form of therapy yeah. um, for me. For me, as a child, it was a way of sort of expressing and confessing things, sometimes to God. Um, but as like a sort of depressed teenager, I, I read something by Sylvia Plath. Um, she said, the slime of all my yesterdays rots in the hollows of my skull. And that really resonated with me. I feel like poetry is a way to sort of decolonise the worst of me from my thoughts in some way. That's how it's sort of therapeutic mm. for me. Um, yeah, that's a really interesting way in actually yeah. <laughs> I don't think we've had anybody say that before <laughs> um, but I mean certainly it's quite a common view of a lot of us I think that poetry is a, a therapeutic thing and definitely and it, obviously I mean knowing your poems and and what you write about and talk about it's 
it's all very deeply rooted in your feelings and emotions it seems so yes definitely I think it makes sense that you feel that way about it <laughs> it's, it's a therapeutic thing um so speaking of reading your poetry um how often do you read in public um I try to perform once a week um and have been doing for almost a year and a half now mm-hmm. um I there's everyone says this but there's so many things going on in London and um, I often find myself like conflicted between like three or four different nights on a Wednesday but I always go to Spoken by London um, because that's my favourite one it's the one I really started doing it at and I just appreciate the atmosphere there because um, it's generally it's different people every week there are obviously some regulars <laughs> like me um, <laughs> but you get like an influx of lots of different ideas and different styles yeah. I really enjoy that about it I do go to um, forget what you heard kind of semi-regularly um, that one it it's got very high quality high caliber of performance and writing but I think it could be a bit intimidating if you were just starting out to go to that one first so. yeah no I think spoken word London is it is a really good night and you I don't know from what I've seen going to lots of other nights that does seem to be the place where you get more of a warm response and atmosphere yeah. when you read and that I don't know, it's, it feels quite unusual, you know, when you go there and read for the first time and you do get quite a massive response sometimes from everybody. Well, that's what I love about it, because I often go to Spoken with London and I don't read, I just watch. And I, my favourite thing is watching people who have probably never done it before and they've never been heard. And so as they're reading it, like, the performance gets drawn out of them. Yeah. And you can just see them, you know, having a really amazing experience yeah. being listened to. I like that. Magical. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, have you had anything published? Um, not really. Uh, when I was about sixteen, I got um, like published, published in like one of those internet scam anthology things. So it was like, <laughs> oh, we really like your poem. Uh, do you want to be in our book? Um, it's like a twelve-volume, like thousand-page thing. Um, and I never bought it, but I did get a letter, um, which had my poem printed on the front of it, and it was like a demand for me to buy the book, which caused a lot of problems because my poem was like a sort of it was an atheist confession to God about how I didn't believe in him and my very strict Irish Catholic mother saw it on the letter and it sort of outed me as an atheist. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't great. Bit of a disaster. Yeah, I, I would like to be published but then at the same time maybe because of that experience I sort of feel like I don't want to lose ownership of my work. Like, yeah. I don't know if my stuff reads as well as I perform it and that's not me saying that I'm amazing. I just, I like to own it. I like to accentuate different parts of it. Yeah. So... Okay, um, on that note, we'll have another poem, please. Okay, this one comes <laughs> with a bit of an introduction. Um, when my ex-fiancé dumped me suddenly, um, he tried to like really wuss out of having a real conversation with me about it. He, he was actually in a relationship with another person. I didn't know that for ages. Um, and I pressed him to give me a reason why he was breaking up with me, reasons, and he eventually quite callously said that there were three things about me that he didn't like. I was unhealthy, judgmental and too emotional. So I wrote this in response to that. It needed to be done, suggests a struggle, some sort of code he cracked, something I sincerely lacked. Smug in an utterly indifferent kind of way, sounds like the player who couldn't play, I felt it, needs were overdue, that falsetto for you. I knew what I didn't need, but I thought we could succeed. All relationships can, endurance can shine through, but we both have to want it to. Anything we can understand? What is it that you didn't want? And please don't hit me with another list of my failures in your perception, unhealthy emotional judgmentalness. He didn't give me a chance. 
Didn't describe or explain at any point. He just sat there, not caring, rolling joints. There's irony there. Tell me now, who's unhealthy with alopecia in their hair? He didn't just take the Michael. Mikey took the piss. Led me on, loved me, dumped me, then left me alone with this. Three things about you that I despise. Three things I noticed when I met you that I thought you'd try to hide. When he said I was unhealthy, I really couldn't handle it because I love my food and he was being rude. Suddenly I couldn't even finish a sandwich. He dares to call a woman emotional. Find me a woman so goddamn devotional. I tolerated so much of his silence. Woke up and cleaned his clothes when his steel toe cap boots got violent. I sat with him while he cried. While he cried when Max from Hollyoaks died. I held my breath when he described abuse. Judgmental is a human trait. It's how we've evolved into a better state. My judgments are insightful, not always shrouded up in hate. Now he wants his three things. Well, honestly, it's hard to choose. My mind bears the scars of all that he put me through. Our love might have been pure, but in the deed itself, unsure. He didn't know what to do. We were confused, so he just went through those moves. Motions for some next ex-incompetence made me give up. Exasperation, how many times do I explain too many fucking times for him to refrain again? Recklessness is his next crime, shall I bring up the keys from the green? The lockjaw of a cocaine fiend, all those missed calls? His jollies, my worries, how the fuck did I find the justification for those situations? Why did my instincts forgive it all? It's that Christian culture in my soul. It's that urgent need for a man to play his role. The essence of masculinity is to take responsibility. Fuck it, number three, he should have been stronger than me. Weak, cowardly, lazy, low intellect, high, crazy, short, small, pitiful. Thank you. You choked me up. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Speaking of being too emotional, <laughs> yeah. it's not very professional. Um, I choke myself up every time I do that. <laughs> well, that's great, thank you. Um, so you were talking a little bit about um, you know, having ownership and control um, over your work and perhaps how it's interpreted um how do you critique your own work um do you ever look for feedback from audiences or do you have certain people that you share it with um I've never really critiqued my work editing yes definitely but never with like like I, I often go back to an idea and see if I can articulate it clearer but in terms of critique like I didn't really have like um critical trains of thought or even a technical kind of toolkit Actually, since listening to Luna podcast, I've been thinking about my work much more critically. Mm. Um, and I do, yeah, I share it. I've got a friend, Dean, who I've, I've written with him before. So I send him things, um, which he he will give me feedback, very honest, um, sometimes brutal. But he, he'll always actually give me an idea as well. So he'll be like, oh, I don't like that line. What about this line? So there's a few poems that he's actually given me like a line for, which is... It's really good. I, I really want to critique my work mm. more, but I don't really know how, I guess. I don't know. When I first started writing poetry, well, always when I've written poetry, it's like I have an emotional reaction to something and then I write a poem. But now, as my writing's developed, I sort of I have an emotional reaction to something and an idea for a poem. Then I have a reaction to that idea and then I get the poem. So mm. there's like an extra stage. I think it's... I hope it's getting better. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um... So, I mean, how would you say that you'd like to see your writing progress? Maybe along the same lines. Yeah, I definitely want to become more of a pro and less of an amateur because when I listen to other people talk about how they write and the sort of thought they put into it, for me, it's quite reactionary. Like, sometimes it's like a hiccup, you know, I just need to yeah. get something out. Um, 
Uh, but I want to write more for purpose. I'm really interested in writing more for children because I'm a primary school teacher mm. and I want to get out of the classroom and into like the school hall delivering workshops. So I want to have a body of work that's suitable for children. Um, okay, great. Um, could we have a third and final poem? Please? Yes. Um, this is a qu- quite a different one. It's um, very short. I've never shared it before, so it might be terrible. But this is what I consider a page poem. It's called Uncle Monkey. Once I met two cheeky little boys. Ollie was only a tiny Scorpio baby and Joe wasn't yet ready to share his toys. Their father, a gentleman, and their mother, a lady. I got catapulted into fun at the zoo. Ollie held my hand whilst Joe roared like a lion and I saw the beauty of family when everyone's trying. Uncle Monkey tickled with delight. Boys giggled and wriggled and played in the sun's bright light. Ollie's silly stickers decorated my passport, courtesy of Joe. Siblings bonded over tube building, constructions later destroyed. I carry their memory with me, like my passport, everywhere I go. I wish they had been my nephews, those cheeky little boys. Thank you. Um, What have been the main influences over your development as a writer and or performer? Um, definitely in, in terms of writing I, I grew up learning Yeats um, that was a, f- a sort of family favourite because he talks a lot about the famine in Ireland um, uh, I obviously like Plath um, and then I got really into hip hop so I would count like Eminem, Speech to Bell some Australian artists, the Hilltop Hoods and Delta they're all really great word- wordsmiths they sort of inspire me but then more in the sort of poetry performances I've been doing it I think loads of people at Spoken Word London just for the variety of things I've seen. So like Pat Cash, Andrea Spisto, Sarah Without an H, um, P.S. Artiste, um, Ernesto, just because they all do very different things. And maybe it doesn't show in my work that they've inspired me, but they've definitely inspired me to sort of do my own thing in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I also, um, through Spoken Road London, I met this, um, my friend Virgil, or Big Virg. He, um, he lives in Barbados, but he's an amazing poet and he's, very honest, very eloquent and really hard-hitting. Like, he's not afraid to offend people in his work. And I, I re- that really inspires me. I really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, so, final question. Have you got anything you can recommend to our listeners to go and see anything you've read recently or watched? It doesn't have to be poetry-related. Um, just anything that's recently inspired you, other than what you've already mentioned, obviously. Um, um, just general recommendations. Spoken Word London, I'd recommend. I'd recommend Science Found a Tongue. I'd recommend listening to all these lunar podcasts because they're really, really interesting. Um, my favourite one's the Live Winter one. Um, uh, my friend Virgil, bigverge.com, and uh, my friend Dean as well. He's just doing this um, poetry collective called Typeface with Jake Wild Hall, Becky Moses, and a few other people. So it'd be interesting to see what they do. That's, that's my recommendation. Great. Well, thank you very much, Hannah. It was lovely having you. And thanks everybody for listening.